Welcome to Anil Arana Live. These podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana, recorded live during his missions around the world. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.holyspiritinteractive.org or www.anilarana.com today. Hi, good evening. Is everybody ready for the Word of God? A teacher of the law once asked Jesus, he said, Master, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, if I were to ask you, If you love God, I'm pretty sure that all of you would say yes. Do you love God? See, I told you. And if I were to ask you if you love your neighbor, I'm pretty sure that all of you would say yes again. Do you love your neighbor? Really? Really? I'm going to take that at face value for now, both these statements that you made. But what I want us to understand, that it is not possible to love God And it's not possible to love our neighbors unless we first get a deep appreciation of how much God loves us. Now, I know you might have heard about God's love a hundred times before. I want you to forget all of that now. I just want you to open your hearts and minds and listen to the word the way God wants to say it to you today. And it is providential that the gospel reading was about the prodigal son. Now, I know all of you know that story. Do you? Yes, yeah, I knew it. Listen to it again, as though this is the first time you're hearing it. A man once had two sons. The eldest son was very obedient. He listened to his father. No matter what his father told him to do, he did it. The youngest son was a different sort. He didn't like his father telling him, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. He wanted to do his own thing. And one day he goes to his father and said, Father, I've had it. I want to go out into the world and I want to live my own life. Give me my share of the inheritance. In effect, what he was telling his father was that I cannot wait for you to be dead to have my money because nobody gets an inheritance until the father is dead, right? I cannot wait for you to be dead. I'm declaring you dead now. I'm going. I'm sure the father tried to persuade the boy that what he was doing was stupid, was foolish, was unwise. But the boy was so stubborn, so insistent, the father said, okay, here is your money. Take it and do whatever you want to do. Scripture tells us the boy took the money and he went to a distant country where he squandered it in wild living. He drank, he gambled, he went to prostitutes, he did just about everything you could imagine until one day he had no money left. 
as fate would have it, or as God would have it, there happened to be a famine in that country. Everything was scarce, there were no jobs to be found, and in desperation, this boy hired himself out to a farmer to feed his pigs. Now, in a Jewish society, being associated with pigs of any kind is about the lowest thing that you can do. And it is an indication of how low this boy had sunk, that he had to feed pigs to survive. There, in that pigsty, this boy came to his senses. He said, this is stupid, man. Back home in my father's house, even the servants have better things to eat. And here I am envying the things the pigs are eating. I will go home to my father and I will say to him, Father, forgive me. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be your son. Make me your servant. So he gets up and he goes towards his home. Now you've got to picture this. The servants see the boy coming. He's bedraggled. His clothes are torn. He is smelling as he probably would if, you know, given the time he spent in a pigsty. They saw him coming and they run to the father to tell him that his boy is coming home. Why? They believe that this father is going to take a stick and go and hammer the daylights out of the child and they can't wait for it to happen. What does the father do? He ignores them. He just hitches up the robe and runs towards the boy. Now the boy is coming and he sees the father running towards him. And what do you think he feels? He thinks, here it comes, the beating of my lifetime. And he's there with his dialogue he's been rehearsing in his mind. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be a son. Make me a servant. His father does not let him continue. His father just takes that boy and envelopes him in his arms, not caring about the way the boy looked, not caring about the way the boy smelt, not caring about anything but the fact that his son was back home. I have a question for you. Was the boy sorry when he was in the pigsty? Go on. Yes, that's what most people think, that the boy was sorry in the pigsty. He was sorry all right, but he was not sorry that he hurt his father. What he was sorry about was the condition that he was in. What he was sorry about was the state that he found himself in. What he was sorry about was the fact his stomach was hungry. What he was sorry about was the fact he was in a pigsty feeding pigs. He was sorry about a lot of things. But he wasn't sorry that he hurt his father. Not then anyway. But when he went home, expecting punishment, expecting maybe a beating at the very least, expecting to be a servant in his father's household, but instead was embraced with so much of love. That is when he felt sorry. That is when he felt sorry because that is when he understood the love the Father had for him. 
We need to understand that too, that we all, in our own ways, have been, sometime or the other, in a pigsty. And we have to understand that when we get out of the pigsty and go home, the Father doesn't hold his nose. The Father just embraces us. Because it is only when we understand that love will we truly, truly understand the love of God for us. This is not the end. This is not the end. After embracing the boy, he turns to the servants and he says, Quick, bring the best robe in the house and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Because this son of mine was dead and is now alive again. Do you have any idea what is happening here? He says to the servants, bring the best robe in the house and put it on him. I ask you, who does the best robe in the house belong to? Who does the best robe in the house belong to? The father. This young man who has squandered his father's wealth can go into the marketplace the next day and people will see him coming from a distance wearing the father's robe and think it is the father coming. The second thing he does is put a ring on his finger. A ring is a symbol of power and authority. This young man can go into the marketplace the next day, tell people what they need to do, and people will have to do it because he has the ring of power and authority. And the third thing he does is tell the servants to put sandals on his feet. The only people in a Jewish household who were allowed to wear sandals in the house was the master and his children. He was saying to his son, you might want to be my servant, forget about it. You are my son. I mean, man, think about it. You've just blown everything. Squandered a huge fortune. Lost everything, including your self-respect. You come home expecting to be a servant. Instead, you are elevated to a position that is only enviable. To all of us, is given the same thing. To everyone who returns home, not only does the Father embrace you with his love, not asking you a single question, not asking you where you've been, not asking you what you've done, not asking you anything, not a single question. He forgives you, and beyond that, he uplifts you. Every one of us here has been given a robe, a robe of righteousness that comes through faith in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.22. All of us have been given a ring, a ring of power and authority. What power? The power to do what? Whose authority? The authority to do what? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. By the end of this Life in the Spirit seminar, you're going to have this power flowing through you, and you will go out and make disciples of all nations in Abu Dhabi, in Dubai, and Sharjah, and to the ends of the earth. What authority? Matthew chapter 28, 18, and 19, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. 
And then he gives us sandals of sonship. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Now if we are children, we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Do you know that? You're children of the most powerful being in creation. All because you come home and you accept Jesus as your Lord. Talk about love. I was speaking to a bunch of youngsters yesterday. And I looked at their faces, fearful, insecure. There are so many things that trouble them. They were not 15 or 16, but many of them already looked like they'd been in several wars. I look at you here today, and I see the same thing. People who are worried. People who are anxious. People who have been belittled throughout their lives. People who feel insecure, people who feel insignificant, people who've been made fun of, people who've been laughed at. I see it here too. Where do you get your sense of worth from? From who you are? From what job you have? From how much you earn? From how many friends you have? All these come and go. But I'm telling you, you understand this and you never have to feel insignificant again. You are sons and daughters of the most powerful being in creation. You're a child of God. There is another part of this story that most of us never look at because it makes us feel very uncomfortable. But I'm going to talk about that story because it answers in a very direct way the question I asked you earlier. Do you love your brothers and your sisters? There was an elder brother in this story. A very obedient boy, if you remember. He was out in the fields when his younger brother came home. In a little while, he heard the sound of merriment coming from the house. And very curiously, he asked his servant and said, what's going on there? And the servant said, don't you know? Your younger brother has come home and your father has killed a fatted calf to celebrate. This boy, you think he was happy? He was furious. He was livid. I mean, he was so angry. He was out there fretting and fuming. And then his father comes out for him. And he says, what are you doing out here? Come into the house. And the boy turns to him and says, all these years, all these years I have slaved for you. And you did not give me a goat to celebrate with my friends. But yet this younger son of yours, he doesn't say my brother, this younger son of yours comes home after spending his money with prostitutes and you killed a fatted calf for him. Here's a question for your hearts. If you had a younger son, a younger brother, sorry. If you had a younger brother and he did what this younger brother did, how would you have felt? You don't have to raise your hands. Just a question for the honesty of your hearts. How 
would you feel? Angry, outraged, I feel like taking you by the collar and shaking you and asking you, what is wrong with you? What was wrong with this elder son? All these years he lived with the father and he did not understand how much the father loved him. All these years he slaved for the father thinking that slaving and working for the father would get the father's love. All these years he just wondered why his father didn't give him a goat to eat with his friends. Not understanding that every single thing that belonged to the father belonged to him. If he wanted, he could have had a cow, a buffalo, a goat, chicken every single day of his lives and thrown party after party. But he didn't do it because he didn't understand the love of the Father. And I want us here, my brothers and my sisters, I want us here to just understand that we have our Father and you don't need to work for his love because there is nothing you do that can make him love you more and there is nothing you do that can make him love you less. He just loves you so much, so much, and he always will. And it's only when you understand that, and it's only when you understand that that you'll be able to love your brothers and your sisters. It's only when you understand that that you'll be able to love God. Say amen. Do you know how much he loved you? Look at that cross. All of you look at that cross. Who do you see? Jesus? All of you see Jesus? I don't want you to see Jesus. I want you to see yourselves. Because that is where you belong. I really want you to see yourselves because that is where you belong. For the things that you've done to hurt God. For the things that you've done to hurt your brothers and your sisters. That is where you belong. Now I want you to see him again. And understand this. That he loved you so much that he took your place and died so that you might live. And man, if that doesn't show you how much God loves you, nothing will. The problem is we don't get it. The problem is we don't get it. We get it here, but we don't get it here. Sister, come here. What's your name? Maya. Maya. Let's imagine for a minute, that Maya does something terrible, very, very bad, so bad that she is going to be stoned to death because of what she did. And she stands over here, and all of you are there with stones in your hands, waiting to kill her. There is no hope for her. She's gone. She's doomed. She's looking at death in the face. She knows in a few seconds she's going to die a very cruel horrible death. And then I come along and I say, stop. Maya, you go. And you stone me instead. And you kill me. What is she going to think? How much he loves me that he died for me. We need to understand that this is what he did and the love that it took for him to do that. We know it here. It needs to come here. And tonight, 
I want it to come there. Now some of you have understood this love before. I dare say most of you have. But I also know that many of you have told God, I understand your love and I never want to do anything to hurt you again. Just like Maya. What do you think she will feel after I have died for her? If she has any kind of heart, she will never do again the things that she did that made me die for her. Right? So she promises herself. She promises her God. Now I don't think I'm going to be ready to be stoned for her, but somebody did. And she promises God who did die for her, never again will I sin. I will do anything for you. I will even die for you. I know many of you have made that promise. Haven't you? I will never sin again, Lord. But then you do. You do and you feel guilty and you feel miserable and you feel awful and you wonder, what am I going to do about this? I have one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible to tell you now. And I really want you to listen to this. Because this also shows the love of God like nothing else will. You'll find this story in Luke chapter 22. Soon after the Last Supper, Jesus goes to Peter. All of you know Peter? He's this guy who suffers from a very strange disease. You know what his disease is called? It's called foot-in-the-mouth disease. He opens his mouth and he shoves his foot in there. He does it all the time. You're about to see him do it here again. Jesus tells him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And after you've turned back, you will strengthen your brothers. Jesus knows what Peter is going to do. He goes to Peter and he says, Simon, the devil has asked to sift you. I know you're going to fail, but I prayed for you. And here he makes a very strange prayer. He doesn't pray. Listen to this carefully. He doesn't pray that Simon's faith will remain strong. He doesn't pray that Simon will not betray him. He doesn't pray that Simon will show courage. He prays, I pray that your faith will not fail. What faith? We'll discover that in a minute. And Simon here, Jesus is telling him he's going to be betrayed. He says, I will do anything for you. I will go to jail for you. I will die for you. Jesus says to him, you're a tough guy. Before the cock crows, you will have betrayed me thrice. And we all know that's exactly what happened. Jesus was arrested. He was beaten. And watching the suffering that Jesus went through, Peter got scared, as all of us would be. And he went and tried to hide himself in the fireplace among the people. A servant girl recognized him and said, hey, you were one of them. And he said, no, I wasn't. A little while later, somebody asked him and said, hey, you were with Jesus, weren't you? And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. An hour later, another man came and said to him, you were a, with Jesus, you were a Galilean. And he says, I don't even know the man. And then the cock crowed. And then scripture says these words, verse 22, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And when Peter looked into the eyes of the Lord, he didn't see anger there. He didn't see condemnation there. He didn't see disappointment there. He only 
saw love. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. How many times have you fallen? How many times have you made promises like Peter has made Jesus? How many times have you let him down? Jesus has prayed for you too, that your faith will not fail. And what is the faith you need to have in the tremendous love that God has for you? That no matter how many times you let him down, he's still there waiting for you with open arms. Nothing you do can make him love you less. Do can make him love you more. He loves you so much, guys. So much. Tom Cruise was on the Oprah Winfrey show one day and he was talking about his girlfriend. He was talking about how much he loved her. And he got so excited, he stood on the couch and started jumping up and down. Everybody made a lot of fun of him, but I kind of understood. When somebody loves you a lot, don't you feel excited? Don't you? Maya? Don't you? I mean, come on. I have never seen people excited when they think about how much Jesus loves them. I mean, seriously, I have some silly girl who loves me and then she loves me. I have a dopey guy who loves me and he loves me. I want to tell everybody he loves me. Some of us want to jump up and down like Tom Cruise, you know, and say, she loves me. But God, God loves you and you and you. And you, and you, and you, and you. He loves you. What? He loves me. He loves you. Thank you. My God, my God loves me. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. You need to be happy. You need to be happy. Forget about whoever loves you in the world. No matter how much they loves you, love you in the world, they cannot compare to the way that God loves you. He loves you so much. And man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when you really discover that love, when you really feel that love, you'll want to jump. You'll want to jump till your head hits the ceiling. You'll just want to go up and down. And you'll want to tell everybody, guess what? Guess what? God loves me. He loves me. He really loves me. He loves me. Tell me, God loves you. No, he loves me. You want to do that? I know, you can feel it. Go on. That's it. That's it. That's it. No more being sad, hopeless, boring, dull Christians. Have you heard the song, I've got the joy, 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 joy? Now, I'm not a singer. But you know what? I don't care. 
Why don't I care? Because God loves my singing. He loves me so much I can sing like a frog and he will still love me. That's the kind of love he has for me. I can be anything and he still loves me. You know how much he loves me? I walk out of this door and I see the trees and the plants and the birds flying. I see the night sky with the stars and the moon. And I know he loves me because who's he made that for? For the tigers and the lions? They don't even care. He made them for me. He made them for you. Your husband gets you a bunch of flowers and you're so thrilled. Somebody else gives you a box of chocolates and you're so thrilled. I look at the world outside. I look at every single thing in the world there and I say, my God has made that for me. The beautiful smells, the beautiful sights, all the things that I hear. Oh, this choir was so beautiful, but you're out there. There's a melody playing. And who is it for? It's for me. It's for you because he loves you. I travel around the world. I never feel like an alien in any country that I go to. Why? Because it's all mine. He gave it to me. Who did he give it to? He gave America to the Americans. He gave the Philippines to the Filipinos. He gave India to the Indians, Sri Lanka to the Sri Lankans. Hey, it's all mine. Why? Because I am his son and what belongs to my father belongs to me. Right? Why? Because he loves me. <laughs> Does he love you, baby? Does he love you? How, does, how, do you? how do you know that? Are you excited about it? Yeah. <laughs> You're not excited enough. You're not excited enough. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart today, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Thank you, thank you. Don't they sing well? All I heard were a few of them singing. I mean, come on, stand up, everybody. You're going to leave your happy people with the love of Jesus in your heart. All right, choir, do you know this song? Uh, you're going to get us started. I'll, I'll, do the, I'll, do, I'll do the bit parts. Like the wah. Come here. God loves you? You sure? Tell everybody God loves me. God loves me. <laughs> Got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart today. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. I've got the joy. The joy, 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 joy down in my heart. 
Where? Where? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy. Jump! I'm very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. <laughs> All right, please be seated. Now, this is not just emotion, right? This is the love of God that starts to come. When we get out of ourselves, most of us are kind of bogged in ourselves. And even when we come for meetings like these, when we're used to singing and used to praising, a lot of it is artificial. God doesn't want any artificiality in our lives. He doesn't want us to pretend with Him. When we're sad, we go to God as sad people. When we're depressed, we go to God as depressed people. When we're angry, we take our anger in front of God and say, this is what we are. And this is what many times we forget, is that we think we need to change before we go to God. But God says, you come just as you are. And this is what I want us to do today. And every day of our lives, you don't need to change. You just go to God as you are and start to experience His love. Most of us have never, never felt the love of our Father. Never. And it saddens my heart. Most of us have never even felt the love of Jesus. We know about it, but we have never felt it. Now, how do we feel it? In one easy way, you go to Him and be affectionate with Him. Your God is not somebody who is a distant God. He doesn't want a distant relationship where you're in one corner and He's in another corner. He wants you to come, come close. And imagine this sister. What's your name, sister? Olinda. Olinda wants to talk to me, all right? But I'm far away. So if Olinda wants to have a conversation with me now, she's going to have to speak a little loudly. And I might not be listening because I'm busy talking to the choir. How are you? You're good? You feel the love of Jesus in your heart? Now she's trying to talk to me there. Right? But I'm not listening because I'm busy here. But if I come closer, so close, Olinda calls out my name and I look at her and she starts to speak to me and I'm listening. But maybe not because I'm distracted by, by these two young pretty girls here. But then I go a little closer still. And now I can look at her, and she can talk to me. I'm listening to her, but it's still too far. But now I'm close enough to hold her hand. I'm close enough to reach out and touch her hair. I'm close enough to give her a hug. And this is how God wants us to be with him. Enough of keeping him like a distant God. Get close and get real. Any of you like to come sit on my lap? 
Somebody did. Give her a big hand. What's your name? Roshni. Roshni? I want you to look at Roshni here. One day Jesus took a little child like Roshni and turned to the people who were listening to him and said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little Roshni, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You're big people, too big, too big. You're boring people, you're so stiff. You can't go close to anybody. You can't go and sit on anybody's lap. Forget about my lap. <laughs> I don't want you to sit on my lap. My wife is there, she will kill me. I shall kill you. <laughs> but the problem is you can't even sit on your father's lap. I want you all to start doing that. And if you can't do it as big people, do it as little people, little children. Imagine your Roshni's age. Your father is sitting down, our father. And you go to him and sit on his lap just like Roshni sat on my lap. Let him hold you. Let him tell you how special you are. Let him tell you how much he loves you. And you start to see how your life starts to change because of the feeling of love you start to get from him. Do the same thing with Jesus. You don't feel like sitting on his lap. Walk around with him, but hand in hand. Walk in a meadow. Play with him. Throw a frisbee at him. Play cricket with him in your mind. Get him to read your stories. Do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. He's so gentle. He's so sweet. Get to know him like a friend and see how things in your life start to change. We're starting this Life in the Spirit seminar. At the end of it, I don't want you to be the people that you are, doing it for the sake of it, pretending you felt something, but your lives are the change. I want everything to change. And start by going to the Father, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, to Mary, to whoever you want, and get intimate with them. And say, Lord, let this season be a very special season for me. Let my brother's prayer for us come true. Let me know you like he seems to know you. Let me be able to experience you in a real way. What does Jesus smell like? And if you know, no, you don't know, because you've never been that close with him. I ask a woman, what does your husband smell like? I'm sure they'll be able to tell me. Because we're close to people and we know what they smell like. We need to come close to God, so close to him that we can smell him. This is my prayer to all of you here today.